No, your ears do not deceive you. For once again, for another week, I'm Dana. I'm Abby. And this is Scary Stories to Tell Your Sister. With a twist. stories to tell your girlfriend like abby just said megan is still recovering now from spring break so that sounds horrible it's not as bad as it sounds she is in florida (laughs) right but no megan is still feeling a little under the weather and so abby has graciously allowed me to drag her back on for another week where we scare each other with stories it's a joy i always like to hear myself talk yeah you know, and I think it's great because we have, like I said last week, I don't know if I said it or not, actually. I want to thank you, and I know Megan thanks you, too, for taking over the co-host duty while she gets better. But I think it's really funny because it's so interesting to see the difference between you, me, and Megan and the way we pick our topics. Yes. Like, we all kind of cross over with certain things we like. There's certain things that, like, if a Venn diagram, we meet in the middle a few times. But more often than not, Megan seems to go into like the metaphysical aspects more so. You like once it's historical context. That's especially true today. I'm glad. And I like mainly like cryptid creature things, except not this week. Mm -hmm. I think I felt that Abby's coming back. I should give her a treat. And I think it worked out really well for the both of us this week. And I will say this, listeners, Abby took this on last minute so i found out thursday shut up thursday saturday saturday so it is actually down to the wire but that's what we do our best work honestly i feel so here we go how are you doing abby good good Good. yeah work tonight but you know i got some time to clean the house i feel like if i were a witch i would be house witch okay somehow just because i feel like that's where i get the most energy i agree right just Everything feels better when I've worked in the house on something. Whether yeah. It be dishes or laundry. I feel so when you put more- your energy into it, the energy that remains there is a positive energy. Yes, a hundred percent. I agree with that. I think that's, I think that's why we have our things in the house. We are very interesting in a way where I don't know if Abby's the same way, but I know she blesses me with letting me do this when I make a list of things I need to get done to like make my mind and heart happy throughout the day. And for me, it's always when the bed is made, I just feel like that energy, that thing is like a nice settling in my like my soul. Yeah, that's how I feel about the surfaces. I need mm-hmm. the table clear. I need the counters clear. And I feel like, like you said, I definitely hear you say in the way of like a house witch aspect. Makes sense. Yeah. And I like that. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, That's and t- today is a gloomy day, so I feel like it's a perfect time. And Abby, like you said, you're doing a history one for us. I am. Are we ready to get into it? I am ready. I'm so excited. From the 1840s to the 1920s, many things were on the rise, including, but not limited to, the Civil War, the Spanish flu, Coca-Cola, the pasteurization of milk, and a complete and absolute renaissance of spiritualism yeah buddy i was excited when you were saying that time period the spiritualism which is a religion or a religious movement depending on who you ask is based on the belief that the dead exist and have both inclination and ability to communicate with the living which included the practice of seances and communing with the dead it was the newest religious movement to divide the nation in the 19th century now i know what you're thinking the 1800s really I agree with you. When I first learned of this movement, I was surprised too. I would have thought that everyone would be in the front row of the pew like they're supposed to. And you're welcome for that Casey Musgraves reference. (laughs) This was not the case. Don't get me wrong. Many were. That's why this religious movement was as divisive as it was. But it did indeed grow and grow and grow. Let's get into some of the history. Excited. Many posit that the reason spiritualism grew the way it did was because of the first war. World. World war and the civil war this war and it being the world war that's a toughie that's really hard to say 
was truly one of the first mass casualty events on a global scale in recent history. 20 million people died. And to better picture how many people that is, it's approximately the population of Greece and Sweden combined. The country combined. Yeah. That's how Gone. many people the world lost. Caught in their grief, many were looking for any way that they could to contact their dead loved ones. Others have noticed that for a time, spiritualism was the only way women were allowed to speak in public. When it's just right, I know. I thought that was a really cool detail that I've never. heard Yeah, of I've heard of the war aspect of it, like yeah. that, like the, the the boom and that, but I've never heard of the. Yeah, well, the- and that's why when you hear a lot of references to like spiritualists in media, as far as literature, they're often women. Yeah, no, majority of them are that I know of. Um, when it began in the 1840s, female mediums used this as a way to talk about women's suffrage, okay, equal rights, and the abolition of slavery. They claimed that these messages weren't their own but they were from the spirit realm. Victoria Woodhull was an example of this. She was a female spiritualist and the first woman to run for president in 1870, some almost 50 years before white women got the right to vote in 1919. Wow. I know, right? Can you imagine female president before we would have had like female voters? I mean, honestly, no, but... No, it would have been strange. She actually, like, she ended up writing into a newspaper to announce her campaign. That's how she did it. Okay, she she, she got around the the patriarchy. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Victoria was dubbed Mrs. Satan for her belief in spiritualism. Same girl, same. (laughs) Her idea of free love for all. So that's the satanic idea, obviously. Which, unfortunately, sounds very much like something that would still happen today. I was, was Victoria in the future now? Is she? What, what is it? 1870? Most historians will say that the spiritualism movement began in 1848 in Hydesville, New York, where sisters Maggie, or as I've seen elsewhere, Margaret or Margareta, and Kate Fox started to communicate with a spirit in their home through rapping and knocking. Yeah, I heard the Fox sisters. Yeah, like all great non-terrifying stories begin, right? <laughs> Girls doing girl things. Now, I'm not clear on the difference between rapping and knockings, however, so as not to offend the spirits of Maggie and Kate. I'm including both actions. Maggie, Kate, I'm kind of on your side. I say kind of because it turns out that they were frauds. When word got out that Maggie and Kate were doing this, they became overnight celebrities. And before long, they were communicating with spirits around the nation in audiences of not dozens, but hundreds. Many people know about the occurrences of seances, but in addition to this, spiritualism also brought about a relatively new phenomenon of ghost photography. William Mumler claimed that he could capture images of dead loved ones from his spiritual photography studios in none other than the lovely Boston and the iconic New York City. The most famous example of this spiritual spirit photography is of former First Lady Mary Todd Lincoln. Upon I yeah, am, right. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that photograph. Yeah. Okay, yeah. go on. Tell us. Sorry, I get excited. No, don't <laughs> apologize. Upon Abraham Lincoln's untimely demise, Mary Todd Lincoln became the poster child of a grieving widow. She regularly attended seances in hopes to receive messages from her husband and son. In 1872, she visited Mumler's Boston studio, and the results are a photo where the ghostly specter of Abraham Lincoln stands behind his wife, resting his hands on her shoulders. Interestingly enough, this would be the last picture ever taken of her. Also, I wonder where the studio was. Would you go to it? Maybe. Because I know Mary Todd, when I I covered the the ghosts of Gettysburg and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think I briefly talked about Lincoln. I think it was in that episode. Or maybe it was I mean, the one I talked about. probably would have been. Because Gettysburg, Lincoln. Or Premonition. No, I think I talked about another one, too. I'm oh. not sure what it was. But I definitely talked about Lincoln and how she was really into the spiritual, spiritual, spiritualism aspects. When, like, he dreamt he saw himself dead, she was like, Wow, something's so- happening. So... I totally get. Isn't that funny? Can you imagine? Like, everyone's like, I'm as honest as honest. And you're like, the president, he's always like so veneered. He's always venerated and revered. He is. He is. The average American thinks about Lincoln, at least at a certain amount of times (laughs) per day. There there it is. That's my new girl. (laughs) Abby has a thing where she likes to make a reference to New Girl Daily. So there it is. But imagine that people, imagine today being like, First lady loves seances and oh my gosh, I know it'd be such that an uproar. Not be first lady for long. <laughs> no, no, everything would be like hugely <laughs> done off. Yeah, yeah. Like all ideas, good and bad, they grow. Before long, spiritual mediums could be found in basically every town in America. But 
The movement did not solely exist in America. No, it reached its way to Britain as well. In fact, in Britain, there was one house so haunted that spiritualists flocked to it, and it was written up in the local paper. The local paper included some details of the spiritualist time in the haunted house, which included, of course, a seance. Of course, the medium passed. It's the quote from the local paper includes this. The medium passed under the control of an Irish guide, which has been frequently influenced her before. And about this time last year was a regular visit to seances in Aberdeen. Now, this sentence here is quite telling in that it mentions regular visits to seances in Aberdeen. So plural. How yes. come spirits ran that town? <laughs> Upon doing more research, because it is me, I found something interesting. The 1920 census of Aberdeen, Scotland, recorded an approximate population total of about 166,000. Okay. Ten years prior to that, however, the population was 180,000. Ooh. What made them lose 14,000 people in that smaller amount of time? It definitely could have been World War I, like it's talked about earlier, yeah. especially at the, as the 1920s recorded the only drop in population from 1800 until 2020. I know, right? Are you kidding me? No, not at all. I, I literally tracked down, like, the Scottish census, and, like, it had a whole graph of that time. That's the only dip in all of that time. That Wild. is mind-boggling. I know, I know. A great mystery. Because I feel like it wouldn't be... All of that could not be... Explained away. One, yeah. You know? How many... Were they really 14,000 men who went off to war? You know? Exactly. And didn't come back. I wonder if it's like you know with the with the side effects of war and like bombing yeah. in Scotland, right? And if that yeah. was like, I could be making myself sound stupid with like the air raids and stuff like that. But I wish I was around London. Yeah, so it's like yeah, even that aspect. And oh. it's like maybe like with people being gone, people had more like sicknesses mm-hmm. or lack of yeah food or like that yeah necessities yeah. yeah. Now for a sentence I've never wanted to say before. I'm so excited. Give it Back to me. Back to the seance. Back to the seance, everyone. Chip, chip, cheerio. We asked the guide if he could account in any way for the disturbance, which has been taking place. And he said, sure and bedad, I'll do my best. Same. Continuing in his Irish brogue, he described minutely the presence in the room of the spirit of an old man <laughs> who was in a most agitated state and was walking round and round the apartment. Is he mad old man? Most old men aren't. True. But it's been a long time. Long time. Mr. Urquhart, the owner of the home, recognized the spirit as his father, who had died six years before. After this, the Irish guide left the room, and the the room had calmed until, yes, until, Mr. Urquhart's son, John, who was sleeping, sat up and suddenly called, Oh, Daddy, Daddy, I can, what is new? (laughs) It's Granda to tell you to take care of Grandma. I know. I know, right? There's some in there that I don't understand. However, the message is clear. He was probably irritated because he was not taking care of his grandmother. His his wife. Yeah. Another story included someone seeing a mysterious light at a seance. Mm. That took place in 1921 in London. And it goes like this. I clearly distinguished a face and a form draped in white extending to about the waist. This was also seen by the other sitters. Then I felt myself being touched. Nope. This being the indication that someone wished to speak to me. Is it now? Is it? It is, apparently. The light lit up for a few seconds, and I saw distinctly a pallid, feminine face looking as though asleep. I could not, however, recognize it and said so. Several of the sitters stated that it was the face of a beautiful young lady. The person leading the seance continued. He asked, Is it Josephine? Is it? The Josephine he had in mind, apparently, was a beautiful girl who died 27 years ago at the age of 25. I never knew her in life and only chanced to see a photograph of her about three days before the seance. I have known her only surviving sister for many years who has told me a great deal about Josephine. The seance was unique here because this spirit, the spirit that was present could be seen by each of the sitters and it could touch somebody. Oh. In like a tactile, like he could feel it type of way. Very good. Would you would you rather see someone or feel? None of the above. You gotta choose one. Option C. Option C is you get both. Uh take it all back. Um, Would I rather see someone or feel someone? Mm -hmm. I think I would rather feel someone. Because I might be able to just like 
be like, oh, like it's just like pressure from like my sweatshirt or something. Okay, in this scenario, you're wearing a sweatshirt still? I'm always wearing sweatshirts and completely rationalize it away. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I saw something, I would be like, oh, oh, I'm moving. Okay. Like I'm done. What about you? I feel like I see something. I feel like it depends on how the touching is. Mm-hmm. If it's like someone grabbing me or pushing me, Oh yeah. Okay. See, I'm not thinking. I'm like a brush. Like a, yes. Like a light. If it's if it's a light touch, a light caress. Yeah. That's more. Doesn't like a take care, sweetie. So it's like, we see you're struggling. Good luck. Yeah, then don't be crying. But no, depends on the vibes of the entity. Yeah. And both in both aspects, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Many notable people became known spiritualists, but few as dedicated as. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes. Famed author of Sherlock Holmes. Arthur Conan Doyle traveled around the world giving lectures on on the spiritualism and giving comfort to grieving families. You know, as one author does. Telling them that they can find a lot of hope in a seance parlor. He assured families that he had heard from contacted spirits before and that passing was easy and painless and followed by an enormous reaction of peace and ease. I'm trying to think of an author that's equivalent to like Conan Doyle. I'm like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like in the mystery writer who done it type thing, you know? And I'm like, David James Baldacci. Patterson, David Baldacci, uh, Harlan Coben type thing. Or because like, I was like, oh, Stephen King. But I was like, no, he's more, he's more like horror esque, okay. like scary. But stuff. as far as like fame and notoriety, you know? Yeah. Imagine him being like, you know what you guys should do? Go see. Go, go go to a specialist. I know, right? And I feel like the thing that I was thinking about is the fact that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, like you said, was in the mystery realm. Like, I feel <laughs> like he'd be more naturally suspicious of something like this. Isn't he also the one who believed in fairies? I have no idea. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Arthur Conan Doyle was just aloof with thoughts because I'm pretty sure he was the one who those teenage girls or these young girls yeah, yeah, made yeah. The, the, the fairy pictures and he yeah. was like, by God, by jolly, fairies are real. So maybe, maybe I'll pin him to James Patterson. Mm, yeah. For the, for the, oh, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're a little weirdo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Spiritualism reached its roots to the state of Texas as well. Oh. There, unlike spiritualists in the North who saw this as a complete diversion from Christianity, Texans thought it was something that accompanied their evangelical Christianity. Okay. Instead of communing with the departed, Southern spiritualists received messages from heaven in large meetings and assemblies. Revivals. And revivals. That is the word that I was looking for that I couldn't remember because I didn't actually put it in my note. No, I, when, you, when you said it, I was like, yep. revivals, revivals, revivals. Now for some fun. Let's explore some horror stories of different seances. I am less excited now. I was like, what? I take it back. Buckle up, biatch. Here we go. In 1941, psychic Helen Duncan was approached by a mother who was looking for some news regarding her son and the British Royal Navy. Duncan held a seance to see if there were any spirits who had news of the boy's fate. The spirits told her that the young man had been lost in the sinking of the battleship HMS Barra. Tragic, right? But what makes this creepy is that the ship's sinking hadn't been revealed to the public yet. So as not to weaken Murat. I know, right? Two lieutenants of the Navy were at that seance. They grew suspicious of Duncan because, hello, espionage. This prompted two undercover police officers to attend another seance where she was detained and tried under Section 4 of the Witchcraft Act of 1735. What is that? It's something bad. Also, my question is, what year was this? 1941. Wow. I really love when really, really old fucking laws are like, surprise, yeah, you're in trouble again from you tied your donkey to a post. That's right. That's right. Making her the last person to be tried for witchcraft before the repeal of the act in 1951. That is too late. <laughs> I know. I know. 1950, right? Less than 100 years ago. 1951 is too close for comfort. Yeah. Like, my, my parents were almost alive, which is too... Yeah. Too close to be like, oh, witchcraft was still going Your on there. Uh-huh. She was thriving. She was Adulthood? Yeah, she wasn't a witch. Yeah. She wasn't, but she could have been. She could. She easily could have been. You remember those teeth? I know. While saying Not her teeth. She had some 
I don't know if it makes it worse, worse or not. She had, makes it significantly worse. She had teeth collected somewhere. And I don't think they're... No, they were they... They were found with a coin, weren't they? They were found with a coin. We don't know where this coin came from. No. Or the teeth. Yeah. I don't think Puerto... I don't know much about Puerto Rico's history, but I don't think it had its own mint to make the coin. Maybe it did, though. Huh. Interesting. I'm going on a little tangent about my grandmother being a witch. You're welcome. Continue on. Okay. So... <laughs> While seances might bring hope for those who are looking for it, it's undeniable that they are creepy. What might be creepier, however, is that many people, multiple people in different areas of the world, have contacted this one particular spirit named Zozo. Oh, no. I've heard of... Tell me more about... I'm not happy. I know. I'm not happy. I don't have a lot of information. I just knew that reading his name, I said, I don't want to say this name out. Just, just the end. That's you know that name. The spirit mm-hmm. knows things about people's lives mm-hmm. and has it. <laughs> what are you doing over there, David? I don't like it. And has an ability to manipulate people and objects in order to cause harm. Sometimes he's a trickster, but other times he's possessed people. Cool beans. So we've cool got a lot of sides of the spectrum. Like, ooh, what do you want to do? <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. Who knows? Um, people have reported uh, contacting him with those spirit boards and something called auto writing. Which I don't I've heard about auto writing. Do you want to know what auto writing yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. So basically, during the spirituals, <laughs> during the spiritualism upbringing, it was basically like auto writing is to make a quick, like, clip notes version. It's like you allow yourself, you open up your spiritual aspect of it, and you are basically allowing your spirit to take over your. It's like almost like a self position, and you're starting writing. Got but it. But it's not your writing; it's the writing of the spirit or the person. Jojo Rabbit, and. I've heard of a case, and I could be completely talking. It could be one of the books I read. So I've read a weird amount of books that take place during the spiritualism uprising. But, like, even the handwriting's different, or the way they write is different, or the words they use. I think there was someone who, during that time, wrote a whole book of, like, poetry or something like Mm -hmm. that based on writing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And sure, a good lesson to learn here. Always close out your spirit boards, people. Also good lesson. Don't have them. That is that is as well true. Our rule in this household and any household we have yeah. is they are not allowed. We don't we don't do it. The next story: a magic store employee was paid a hundred dollars to perform a fake séance, but okay. make it look like a real thing. Got it. He was supposed to perform with sounds and visuals, and the employee did just this with the aid of his heart, his partner, his heart, a hage, with the aid of his partner. Bradford J. Angers, or Angers, I don't know how to pronounce this last name. I knew somebody with this last name, and it was Angers. Okay. Created a fabricated seance that felt real without a hitch. He did it. Including disembodied voices that spoke predictions about the attendees' loved ones and created a mist around the center of the table. Good old dry eyes, right? Yeah. He earned that $100, that's for sure. When it was over, Andrews went to help his partner disconnect the equipment used to produce the special effects, only to find out that his partner and the equipment had been locked outside the entire time. I mean, how's that for well-deserved karma? You want to trick some people into thinking that their loved ones are talking to them? Well, well too bad. Surprise, they are. Yeah. Can you imagine the spirit's like, oh, you want to fuck around? While this topic was fascinating, I couldn't help but think of the people who were harmed and taken advantage of during the rise of spiritualism. There are always people out there looking to make a dime, and I know that many went after well-believing people who just wanted to hear from their loved ones who had passed on. I'd like to think that even if others were lying or making things up, these lives gave them a shred of hope, and given that the spiritualism movement has not existed in this form for many decades, that those who need to hear good things have faith that everything was going to be okay and now know for sure that everything was. That's really sweet. Thanks, I'm sweet. Yeah, whatever. But, like, yeah, even during that time, people would, like, make fake seances. They'd have tables that were formulated in a way that they would shake or move or have the rapping noise happen. People would even make fake ectoplasm. Wow. And they would hide it on their person and have it come out. Like a mail-order catalog where people could just get all of this. And people would make it. And there was one person, like, she was like, feel my whole body. There's nothing on me. There was. There was. Where was it? Where was it, Abby? In her. It was in. It was in. It was in. Never ever say that again. Hopefully, I talked over you and we couldn't hear it. 
Huh. I can say it again if you want. No. <laughs> it was in her. And not in her mouth. Well, that was great. It made me so happy and energized. Good. I love all things about that. I would love to do a whole deep dive out of this podcast on this, about all this stuff or whatever, to read all the books and stuff like that. I know, I know. It was like, I really could have it as a part two. So, you know, Megan, if you're still not feeling great. Until she yeah. comes back. <laughs> yeah. Because there was just so much information. Yeah. I was like, I don't have a ton of time. I have to get like the gist of it here. And it's also kind of difficult to type it up when you're rewatching season seven of Pretty Little Liars. Let me tell you. what's happening with an act. That show, side note, tangent. That's another thing. (laughs) Anyway, once again, Abby, thank you for being so willing to join us on this craziness. I bring my best with ease and glee. And I know that I spoke about... The Appalach- the Appalachian, Appalachian wilderness last week. And? And I talked about how I could go back to that aspect again. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did. And so I talked about the Appalachian Trail in general. It's a hiking trail in the East United States, for those who don't know. Because I honestly didn't know how big it was. Oh, it's enormous. It extends almost 2,200 miles between Springer Mountain in Georgia and Mount Katahdin, or Cata, yeah, Cata did, I think, in Maine. And it passes through. Do you know how many states it passes through? What? Nine? Eleven? Fourteen. Yeah. Fourteen states. So it's huge. And I know this before, but it just boggled my mind because when I was looking into my topic, it's like, oh, I'll go back into like the Appalachian Trail type stuff. I'm thinking like Virginia, like ten like all that area. And I found this place and I was like, this sounds like a great place. I look it up. And I'm like, C T, you mean Connecticut? So, the state that's, like, next, like, a hot yeah. gonna jump it away. And yes, yes, it was. Yay. So, I am bringing Appalachia up to us in a weird way. Oops, sorry, I got scared. And I'm talking about a place that is very interesting to me. It will kind of haunt me forever a little bit. And don't worry, I don't think I will be requesting a visit there. Oh, thank God. But um, wait, does that mean it's worse? No, I don't know. It's funny. And I don't think it's worse per se, oh but something about it makes me go, huh. Oh, God. This, the black cat in me is like, maybe, you know, curiosity won't get the best of me. I don't know. It's not as, it's not as bad, but it's something about it just gives me, my tummy goes, maybe not. Mm, okay. Yes. It's a place called Dudley Town, Connecticut. Oh, my God. I know. Yes. How do you know? When you talked about Dudley, when you talked about a bad feeling in Connecticut, I was like, "Is this going to be that ghost town?" You know, I do a, li- a little bit. A little okay, bit. I'm very excited. So the place is also nicknamed the Village of the Dam. We're not going there. Well, who knows? It's worse. I don't know if it's the place you're thinking about per se. But keep going. We'll go. Okay. Hey everyone, I wanted to give a little heads up that this episode deals with a little talk of suicide and mental illness. So I wanted to give the proper heads up and warning to those who need it. Thank you. So Deadly Town is an area in Cornwall, Connecticut. It's not actually a town. It's like a village of sorts. And like it's so, so much so that they, there was no store, there was no shop, there was no school or church in Dudley Town. They had to go to like the neighboring village for anything. If someone died, they go. But it was founded, created, settled, taken over, whatever, in the 1700s in 1740 by Thomas Griffiths and then in 1957 by Gideon Dudley and many other Dudleys kind of soon followed over. Okay. Um, so hence the name like Dudley Town came over and it was on top of a high hill in the area and they decided that they're going to take this dense forest and like make it into a farmland type thing settle there. People lived and farmed there but it, their book like I said it wasn't a town of itself and I think it said that the most, the most, there was 26 families living in that area. Okay, so that's so, still a decent amount of decent people. Decent time. I think it's the 26 families, not 26 people. But, like, yeah. I was like, either way, a good chunk. Yeah. You know. Two dozen. Almost. Exactly. Two dozen. Yeah. At the minimum. Exactly. So, the lore of the land was that the original Dudley, the lore that kind of, like, fills the area now that I will quickly discredit is that the Dudleys were descendants of a man named Edmund Dudley. Who was beheaded for treason under the rule of Henry VIII. Okay. And it said that from that moment on, from that death on, there was a curse on the Dudley family because 
they dabbled in whatever, and even if they fled across the ocean, that curse followed them. Okay. And the curse, quote unquote, led to the decline of the land, the crop failures, illnesses, physically emotional and mental. Wow. As well as many violent deaths and village in the village upon settling there. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, there's a lot of historical records and details that say there's little or no connection to the Dudleys of Edmund's family and the Dudleys of Gideon's family being this in the same like branches. And that the deaths and the occurrence were due to the poor soil conditions, distance from safe drinking water, and honestly the sign of the times, you know. Because honestly, we know dehydration and tainted water really, you know, fuck yeah. you up. So I can see that that hand of it. However, historians also record that the original occupants of the area were the indigenous members of the Mohawk Nation. Okay. And that this was sacred ground to them. Okay. And I'm not saying, I don't want to get into the stereotype of people using sacred ground. I'm like, oh, bad you do that. But like, I do feel that there is a power in spiritual things. And I said it a million times, and I'll say it a million more, that the ground holds energy. So I feel like overtaking the land that was once held sacred by those that, who had proper claim before you, some things are bound to be remaining there. Well, and I feel like land holds history. Exactly. Know, and the history of the indigenous people in America. Is, is very... Not good. Not good. Still not to this day, honestly. So like I said, it was founded in the 18th century, by the 19th century, it was all but abandoned. Okay. With rumors that those who lived there died on natural deaths at their own hands or the hands of others by means of demonic possession. Terrifying. Right? Yeah. Fun wow. times. Fun times. Right. Mm-hmm. But many try, try to debunk this and like say, say that it's imagination with time that's passed mm-hmm. and other things that came up. Are these demonkers the U.S. government? <laughs> well, kind not... Because the things that a lot of people they like went senile in their old age, mm-hmm. like some of them, some of them like you know, not from demons of the time, but demons of life. Mm-hmm. However, there are some stories that just sit with you differently, and you have to wonder what actually remains out there. Yeah, and like there are even there are some that take place in modern times, and some back in like the 1900s when it was still happening. Okay. So in the early 1900s, when Deadly t- Town was pretty much on its way out. We're talking like 1901. Mm-hmm. There was a family there with the father's name was John Patrick Brophy. And they got hit like back to back to back with misfortune. Starting off with his wife dying of consumption. Mm-hmm. And she had been suffering with that for years. So it wasn't really, you know, something like surprising. But still, regardless of what you think about, you can, you can think about the date approaching or like have that thing. But when you face the loss, you're... 95% of the time going to be feeling different than what you assume you yeah, feel. totally. So he lost, loses his wife. And then soon after the funeral of his wife, his two children vanish into the forest. And while their disappearance could have been voluntary, I don't know how old they were, but it said they had been accused of stealing stuff before, but still, at what point do you think accusation of stealing equates you to running away into the right. forest? And right after that, soon after, the house burned to the ground in an unexpected fire. This is like a modern day Job. Right? And he didn't die in the fire, but soon after, he too disappeared into the woods and was never seen. And what? So, it's like, did he find his children out there? Did they like go off yeah. somewhere else and like, kind of like restart after, you know, reclaiming? Yeah. Or also, like, why would he disappear into the forest, though? Like, I don't know. If he's trying to get out of town and like because he reconnected with his children or something, why wouldn't he just leave? Like, just like yeah. walk into the woods and be like, die. Well, guys, maybe the house like burned down, so he had nothing left to stay there for, you know? Yeah, but like, what year? 1900, 1901. Okay, does he have any friends that he could stay with? His wife died. His children are gone. Maybe okay. they think of him as a pariah. I don't know. Maybe. They're and a lot? Not in, not in Dudley Town, remember? Only 26 houses. Yeah, no I stores. Just, There's I no... don't think this man just simply went, <laughs> bye, yeah. you know? Maybe the person who burned down his house With said, breeze. I missed him. Maybe. That's a, that's, that's a possibility. So and there's also the case of Dr. William Clark, who built a summer slash vacation home in the area on a thousand acre plot of land in the early 1900s as well. Enormous. That is huge. He and his wife, her name was Harriet Big Clark. She had been known to suffer from chronic illness, so it doesn't say exactly what. And they lived happily there. They'd go for like summer, like I said, summer and vacation. And one time around Thanksgiving in 1918, 
they were staying there. Maybe no. It's just one summer. I think they go for like holidays like Thanksgiving and then stay for the summer. Okay. So the year is 1918. Is it summer? Is it Thanksgiving? Who knows? Who knows? I know it's the Clark's house in Dudley Town. Yep. Area. And Dr. Clark was called away on an emergency. He had to go to New York. And so he said, hey, Harriet, I'm going to be back super fast. He's gone less than two days. The report said 36 hours. Okay. Okay. He comes back and Harriet had, quote unquote, gone insane. And it said, like many others had done in the area. Sure. Sure. She told him strange creatures that resided in the woods had come out to the for- out of the forest and attacked her. I don't like it. Only for her to commit suicide a short time. I honestly just picture like these shadows. Like, oh, God. No. I get it. And while I don't ever want to associate mental illness with the paranormal, like many have tended to in the past, yeah. like we look at people who have like schizophrenia in the past and people are like, oh, they're possessed or things like that. I do find it interesting, regardless if paranormal aspects are not, that for just such a small incorporated village, that there was such a mountain of people that were tormented by things yes. of the mental variety. And you know, how did this just come on all of a sudden within this time period that her husband was gone? Yeah, and the thing that people are like, oh, but she had a chronic illness. And I'm like, one, we don't know what it is. We're not going to assume what it is. Mm-hmm. And two, I don't think anything of the chronic variety would make such a break of mental thing in like 36 hours. Yeah. I mean, psychosis can come on quickly. But I feel like... There wasn't enough lead up to that. Right. And that kind of leads to the next thing that I have to the land. Mm, sorry, I just keep picturing the shadow. I know, because like I said, once it was empty, the land, it was empty. Like, only that's left is like foundations of stone houses. Yeah. That's it. And it was like a ghost town. But something wrong still here to here. And it's not a curse that was brought up from England with a family that had no tie, you know, nothing like that. But many people feel the wrongness of the land while being here, pressure in the air, and the overbearing silence that comes over. Like, like people would say they'd go there and, like, you're in the forest, you're in the woods, you yeah. hear. It's like an absence of something. Exactly. There's like, it's like, there's a parking lot. <laughs> this is a weird tangent. <laughs> there's a parking garage and an IKEA here, Massachusetts. That there is, there's no echo. And your body's like, something is, it's like a weird absence of sound. Yeah. It's, and when I, when I read this, I thought about that. But yeah. imagine that, but a forest. Yeah. How disconcerting it is. So as far as the paranormal aspects and the ghost hauntings things, those stories began more popular in the 1940s. Okay. It was at this time the visitors of the, to the ruins began to speak of strange incidents they saw apparitions in the woods like even today people who have visited the place see they say weird photographs like orbs mist things like that yeah. and feeling of dread and lights being seen even being uh, touched oh, pushed no. or scratched by unseen entities yeah. and a lot That's of like par- paranormal researchers have this quote as a negative power spot Okay. A place where entities enter this world from another side, like a portal of sorts, I feel like, okay, but yeah. a negative, like, energy aspect. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I'm reading a lot of reports about this, and a lot of things happen with electronics and things like that. Mm, interesting. And I wonder where, I didn't look it up, like, wonder where it, like, resides on, like, ley lines or things like Maybe. that with the currents. But they say that this negative power spot could explain some of the strange events there. And even it could explain the creatures or the weird things like that. And it's often referred to as tainted plates. Yeah, it sounds like it. As if, like, something is remaining there. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much you know about the Warrens and the Lorraine. A little bit. Everything I've learned, I have learned from you. Against your will. (laughs) Yeah. So they're the ones. I'm I'm not going to go into them, like, too deeply. Yeah. So, you know, because they're the ones who... Like Conjuring, Annabelle, things like that. They're very famous, like paranormal investigators, like medium type thing. It's mainly her. She's the one who has like the sight aspect of it. Okay. So in the 1970s, they went to Dudley Town because they're actually from Connecticut. Okay. Like the, all other things, like haunting Connecticut, the, a lot of the things take place in Connecticut, other stuff because like New England area because that's where okay. they work. And they went there and they said it was, there was like something, something off, 
haunted. Bad juju. But nowadays, you can't even go there because the area is owned by a private entity that is known as the Dark Entry Association. The Dark Entry Association? That sounds like some real negative shit if I've ever heard anything. Right? Do you know anything about it? The thing is, I think back in the days, like the 1700s back in the days, the guy named the area the Dark Entry Forest. Shut the fuck up. And I'm like, kidding? You said it all the names you get chosen? Dark Entry Forest. And they are like, Super mum's the word. Mum's the word. Maybe it's like a, I own it. It's like a group of people who came together. A lot of times, like, oh, they're the descendants of the people who lived there before who are like, nope, don't use it, whatever. And to the point where it's like posted private things, police thing. And like, say you go there, you try to like, oh, there's no one around, I'll go. Somebody even said they came one time and they like sped up on a truck and was like, I have your license number. Don't you dare come back type things like that. Like oh, taking so pictures to, of like you and stuff like yeah. that. And they're like, you can't go in the area. And some people say they do it because with the popularity of the 90s of the Blair Witch Project, stuff like that, mm-hmm. people are like, we're going to go to a place like this. And, and then they vandalize things, all that stuff. So people are like, okay. there's... Th- but, like, my question is, what... And this sounds bad, and I don't mean it to sound bad. Mm-hmm. Value does definitely tell though, that it's that, like, don't vandalize it. Like, there's nothing there. Yeah, if it was a small thing. I understand that aspect, like, like history and stuff like that. Like, don't leave nature as you saw it type thing. I don't know what people are doing or if they're trying to, like, give up the vibe of, like, satanic yeah. aspects and, like, doing shit they shouldn't have done there. They're like, let's keep it safe. But the fact that even all these years later, they're still like, do not enter these woods. Do yeah. not do this. And we have the name, the Dark Entry Association. Yeah. I'm like, what kind of scary-ass Satan portal hellmouth do you have in these woods? I was like, you know, and I also don't want to know at all, and I hope I never find out. So guess what? I found a couple comments on different websites about people who have had experiences in Dudley Town. So we're going to read some today. Yeah. This is my favorite thing to do, Abby. Before she's on the show, I'd find like scary BuzzFeed articles or or Redfin. Nope, not Redfin. That's the houses. Reddit things. And I'd be like, I'm going to read you these scary things. And she'd be like, listen, there's one that fully traumatized me. It's about a Rougarou. Oh, you don't know that. No. So back in Dudley Town. The first one goes, 20 years ago, but I'm reading this now, and it was posted six years ago, so it'd be about 26 years ago. Okay. I went there a few times. 1996. Okay. One time in particular, myself and two friends made a serious attempt to see if there was something paranormal. We arrived about a half an hour before dark. Wrong. I started walking the trail at, at Dark Country Road. Hey, are all these like dark, dark, dark? We walked all the way to the very end and came out at some road, turned around and walked halfway back before finding a suitable side trail to take deeper into the woods. Why would you ever? By now, it was fully dark. Yeah. I want to say it's about 50 minutes we walked and found a suitable place to stop and sit on an old stone wall. I'm not sure how long we were there before what was. I'm not sure how long we were there before what was for the entirety of our hike, a very quiet patch of Connecticut woods audibly came alive like we were in the middle of the Amazon jungle. For no less than 30 seconds, every insect, animal, or living creature capable of making a sound did so at full volume before fading away and becoming just as quiet as before. All three of us were taken aback a little freaked out and still a good distance from the car. We decided it was a good time to head out. For the entire walk back until we got to the car, we could hear some strange noises from behind us. Oh, no. Never very close, but not getting farther away as we walked. Like warning you. Like Like coming behind, like like trailing you out. Yeah, like like, like you keep going. Keep going. Never. We made it out without further incident. I can't definitely say that what we experienced was supernatural, but it was truly amazing and unforgettable. A couple years later, I saw the Warrens at a small speaking event at that they held locally, and I asked Lorraine about Dudley Town. She did not mince her words when she said, oh, honey, don't ever go there. Oh, God. And this woman has seen some scary sh- Yeah. 
Like, and for her to be like, don't, don't go don't there. Do it. Like, yes, thank that's you, ma'am. It. So this one says, first and foremost, holy shit. I haven't told this story many to many people since I have second guessed myself over the years. But after reading a story that had dramatic similarities, I figured I had to tell. Dudley Town is real and not to be fucked with. I went back there in 1999 with Greg and Dave, their friends. After finishing after fishing the Housatonic River all day. It was late afternoon and we would probably have a couple of hours to explore before it got dark. Being smart, they're going before it got dark. Yeah, I'm sorry. They're not doing anything smart. If they were, they wouldn't be there at all. But okay. <laughs> Go off. Back around this time, you could still park at the trailhead and walk in easily. I've been there twice and first time went in through the dark entry. God damn it. This time, I had to take the bald mountain entrance. Okay. On the hike, it got eerily quiet. And we kept hearing a dog barking that never showed, even though its sound kept getting closer and closer. Oh, my God. We walked off the trail near the well in the center of town and were surrounded by thousands of frogs on the ground everywhere. They were all over the... Thousands? I just just imagine... Some, like, biblical (laughs) plague stuff. yeah. They were all over the ground, and no matter where you stepped, you were either stepping on frogs or having them leap at your legs. Nearby, a shadow darted off into the woods, spooking the hell out of me since the sun was facing in the opposite direction, thus creating oh, shadows opposite the one we saw. I thought I was just making up the shadow no, people. No, that face. I, I, I Between the shadow, the dogs, and the frogs, we decided to leave. I jokingly yelled, No, no. Deadly Town is bullshit. Oh, fuck this place. Fuck. Teenage idiot. Oh, my God. Idiot. The only thing that is keeping me going right now is the fact that this person was able to tell this tale. So they lived. I am scarred. The way out, our footprints in the trail were freshly wiped clean. And help me was written in the sand. David, no! (laughs) I assumed Greg or Dave did it, but we were together the entire time. I got goosebumps, feeling as though something was watching us. Mind you, I had grown up in the woods, and my family had a primitive hunting cabin in Goshen that I'd spent a lot of time at. I'm no stranger to being alone deep in the woods, but this place just felt off. After leaving and getting home, I went to sleep and woke up violently ill, profusely vomiting and unable to keep anything down. I went to the doctor... And after multiple tests, the doctor said I had a strain of food poisoning that he had never seen before. I was put on a liquid diet for a week and lost 15 pounds. Oh, my God. About two weeks later, I felt better and had never had any reoccurring issues related to it. Now, I am definitely a, cl- a cynical skeptic and don't believe in fairy tales and ghosts. But the life of me, I cannot explain or make any sense of that day other than something supernatural occurred. There are no animals in Dudley Town, little sun breaks through the trees, and there are known caves that go miles below the surface. Oh, okay. I used to work with a guy named Bruce who lived in Kent, and he told me there are hundreds of stories like mine. He told me of seeing a child run into the woods as he drove by Bald Mountain Road at night. I recently brought this up to Greg and Dave, and they both remembered it. Exactly the same. Dave said he went back once more because paranormal activity is a curiosity of his and more happenings occurred as well. Orbs and crying sounds that kept moving in the woods. Dave, as well as myself, are avid outdoorsmen and would recognize, say, a coyote or an owl. He said it sounded almost alien slash demonic. Either way, after 18 years and all three of us remembering it the same, from the dog to the frog to the shadow to the help me right in the sand, Oh, yeah. They were both adamant that, no, neither of them wrote it, out, wrote it down in the sand. And both asked me if I did it, which I sure as hell did not. I no longer live in Connecticut, and I and here access to Dudley Town has been prohibited, but there's definitely something strange about those woods. And then someone rep- responded to the, that above story, and they said, when I was in college in New England one night, the Warrens came for a presentation. The whole evening was, look at this photo, could be a ghost, and some creepy audio. 
After the presentation was over and people were getting up to leave, Lorraine came back on stage and said, kids, please, please listen to me. I don't care if you believe anything we have said or not. Please, please listen to me on this one thing. Do not go to Dudley Town. God. I have to tell you, I had a full-on disassociation when (laughs) you were telling the story. I got that scared. (laughs) That story is terrifying. I have a couple more. That one was, like, big. That was intense. Yeah. The shadow... That was the one that I was like, let me see if I can find some like good, like some. Well, I said, I have good stories for you. Yeah. The shadow freaked me the fuck out. The help me, help me got me. Didn't like that at all. Help me got me. I don't, I don't, I am scared. <laughs> and I hope that you appreciate the fact that uh, I know we're sometimes lax on like who walks the dog last in the dark, you know. No, we live around trees and a lake. And I will not be stepping foot out after something. So enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. You and Ferris get some bonding time. Well, you're going to come with me. Yeah. I think you did this yourself. <laughs> so I went to Dudley Town via the Mohawk Trail in December of 2006 or 2007. The one weird thing is that the GPS went crazy when we got to near the trail at the top of the road. The GPS, we're looking for a, geoca- a geocache. Yeah. Geocache. <laughs> we talk- I mean, I talked about this yesterday about how the word cache was like cache to me. The GPS's arrow would spin crazily and change the distance whenever we faced the site, but return to normal just from turning around and facing the other direction. Since this is controlled by satellite, it, I found it very odd. It's not like magnetic things like, yeah. oh, you know. No ghosts. Friends took a piece of foundation, and he remains the luckiest person I know. And I said, don't take shit. Nope, nope. The Mohawk Trail goes through Deadly Town and does not belong to the DEFA, the Dark Entry yes, Forest. Okay. But you aren't allowed to step off the path even a bit. I'm sorry. I, you think I'm stepping anywhere near the path? I don't think so. Further, we were somewhat interrogated after we parked the car down at the bottom of the road. We still went, but the guy who questioned us apparently headed us off and drew an arrow with the words Echo Park, Echo Rock in the Snow. We played dumb. Like, he's like, go only this way. The guy okay. went ahead, or hopefully the guy did. You know, Eddie said, "Oh, and the GPS malfunction only occurred when it got dark." No, no. And then this person said, "I've been to Dudley Town numerous times. There is one experience that really freaked me out. I was with my sister and a few friends. At the time, I was very religious, so I brought my rosary beads with me. I was wearing a hoodie with zip-up pockets, and I put the rosary beads in my zip-up pocket. And we were there for a couple of hours." We held the foundations, and we tried to find a cemetery. It was a very creepy place. Once you're there, you just feel something is not right. So after we left and we were in our car for a while, I opened my pocket, and my beads were gone. What? I don't remember ever opening my pockets while I was there. It was a strange thing. I don't really believe in stuff like that, and I try to think of a rational explanation. But I don't remember either way opening my pocket, and it freaked me out. To say the least. I've, I have one more. Okay. Well, yeah. So don't look. You can't look ahead. You're scared. So fucking scared <laughs> right now. Back in 1997, me and my friends went for a long hike wanting to figure out the history with this place. As we walked for hours, I stopped to realize the area around us was darker than what we were walking in from before. Occasionally, we would stop to take photos of the foundations there, which I have pics of. I have pics. In one of the pictures, I went over to sit on a tree lying in the leaves. All around me, there was just darkness. Really nothing, but that made me feel freaked out a bit more. Down the trail, more, all I could think of was a small child, a small girl. After a bit further, where we parked, I found what looked to be a bracelet. It seemed very old and rusted. I just looked up to Abby's face. <laughs> She's like, she brings tears in my mouth. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> the bracelet seemed very old and rusted. I bought it. I brought it in the car as we were driving back. All I heard in my head was laughter, no. much like my young daughter. <laughs> Once at home, I saw my child was sleeping still but her toys were laid out all over my room. 
At that time, my daughter was too young to walk and was too small to get out of her crib. I put everything back and went into her sm- her, my room shortly after and dropped the bracelet on my dresser. Stranger, the person said, Stranger things happened that I'll not post. I think I was then thinking it was a bracelet with a little girl still attached to it. And it's like, and then I care more about the other encounter, encounters. Let me know. And someone said, yes, please. So this is their other thing that kind of like came in after that. Most of my encounters later were very strange and most not so serious. It was around two weeks after my daughter's toys were moved around the room. I was getting home from work and my daughter's babysitter was talking to a child when I walked in the door. I asked who she was talking to and she said, my daughter's friend. And I was thinking, how did my daughter have a friend with her and not even able to walk or talk? I don't know she doesn't have any friends here. And the woman silly looked back to where she was talking and walked straight out the door. She just left? She was like, she looked back, she was like, bye. <laughs> that night, I thought it was crazy having this happen. So I brought the, the bracelet back to where I found on the trail. And slower and slower in, pro- in progress, things happen. So, like, she brought it back, things all happened. I was thinking, I should go back to the, lo- to the thing and see what was attached to it. I brought some equipment and noticed that it was moved further away from where I put it. That maybe some bikers moved to the side. Yeah, okay. Getting picture evidence at night of small images like that. An orb was surrounding the locket, the bracelet. Once I headed home, I wanted to use a summoning board. Oh, and figured out the God. child was a young girl hiding from another another presenter that I will not say. I had some small and innocent encounters sure. now and then and still hold and I still hold on to hope that I'll contact her again. No, thank you. I just, you know, I gotta say, there was one time, so Dana and I are both nannies. There was one time that I was nannying for my former family. And the little girl, she was... The youngest? No, the oldest. Okay. She was probably, I want to say five or six at the time. She was outside playing in her backyard, which was fully fenced in. And I just look out the window because there, there's this window in the kitchen where you can look out and see the backyard. The full backyard, yeah. Um... And she's just like standing in the corner, like playing at or playing the fence. Uh-huh. Um, which is not super uncommon because like they knew they were gonna redo that fence, so they let the girls like grab chalk on it. You yeah. Know? So I was like, maybe she's doing that. And then she comes in for dinner and she goes, Abby, can you set a place setting for my friend? And I said, Who? <laughs> she said, My friend. I met them outside. And I said, Oh, <laughs> You're Tell me the story. And I did set a place setting that night. Good for you. I said, whoever the fuck she's talking to, I will not offend. I will not offend. I live in this house. Yeah, you, yeah, you were living nanny at that time. So, yeah. I was. And it's an old house, too. It's, it's like, historically yeah, old. Like, 1800s. So. And, like, I, there was never anything else that ever came up. But I said, this is enough for me. That's enough. So. so, yeah, and it's funny because you're talking about wanting to hike more in the summertime. So, I'm thinking maybe we do like a. In Connecticut? Yeah. No. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. So, what did you think of? That was horrifying. <laughs> and it's funny. I was like, oh, this is more like historic. That was the Nothing best really good. I've ever been. And then I found the experiences that I said. I have great things today for you. I just, I didn't fully expect shadow people to be a real thing. It wasn't a shadow people. It was a shadow person. Could have been. Or an animal. Maybe a ghost deer. Maybe a shadow person who lives amongst the trees. I'm trying to help you. Dana. Would you rather a shadow person or a shadow deer? Well, I don't care because I'm not going to Dudley Tap. <laughs> oh, you could go. I will never. I need to find this place where it is in Connecticut and make sure I never take any highways that run by it. Oh, my God. I shouldn't tell you that. We should go on a road trip and I should just tell you, like, oh, no. But, no, I know I would, like, fuck around and I'd find out. Like, our car would stop. So, I read a couple stories. I didn't tell you these ones, but, like, where people were, like, walking in and, like, their phone stopped working completely. And they started working again when we got back from the car. Mm-hmm. And then other one, like, they went and nothing really happened when they get back. The car's locks wouldn't work. The beep beep wouldn't work. Only the key would work. And later on, on and then later on, they tried it again. The beep beep would work. And once they were like away from Parktown. Okay. You're welcome. So, yeah, I think this was Chef's Kiss, a Heller episode, my love. This was nightmare fodder. I think it was great. 
on that note, and it's funny because if Megan told me the scary stuff, I'd be so scared. But if me telling Abby, <laughs> I'm like, I'm charged. But then, but no, guess what, guys? Abby's going to work tonight. I am. So I'll be home alone editing this, listening to it back, yeah. and probably hearing like warped audio. You'll be taking the dog out. And I'm alone with the dog. So karma will find me real I'll quick. You for your I'll, 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 I'll call you crime. I can't listen to anything anymore. But until then, everyone, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Scary Sisters Pod. You can email us all good things at Scary Sisters Pod at gmail.com. Go leave Abby some love in the comments. Tell her how great she is at this and how much you want her back to be scared again. Maybe one time we'll have Abby here with me and Megan. Fun times all around. So, Abby, how do you feel? Damaged. Good job. Everyone, stay safe, stay spooky. Abby, my love, stay safe. As Megan says, love you. Goodbye. Bye. Oh.